Tigers, tigers burning bright, on hallowed turf a glorious sight. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? Welcome to today's edition of Tiger Pop with me, Paul Wright. And me, Eddie Wright. Today we have a special guest, Brian Houghton, Exel City player and manager. But before that, we will review the games against MK Doms and Ipswich. And after the interview, we will preview tomorrow's FA Cup tie at Stevenage, which has a 1.30 kickoff, and next Tuesday's game at the KCOM Stadium versus Doncaster, 7 o'clock kickoff. But first, we're going to play a bit of music. And it's going to be Top of the Well by the Carpenters. Because at the moment, as you know, we're top of the division. You've been around Your love's put me at the top 
The Carpenters and Top of the World. That's because Hull City are on top of League One at the moment. You're on Tiger Pop on Westall FM 106.9 with me, Aidy Wright. And me, Paul Wright. And now we're going to talk about the game against MK Dons last Saturday. I don't know, I didn't. I felt we played well, especially being away from home. And I know their manager again thought they should have won, which seems to be a thing that's happening nearly every time City win. Uh, they've had a really good performance away from home, six wins out of eight, which I think any team in any division would be happy with. I wasn't quite as happy as I have been in some games with the defence. I felt when MK Dons attacked, I always felt that we was a bit under pressure. I don't know why, because it was more or less the same defence that's what been playing in every other game. But I don't know, I just felt a little bit apprehensive, let's say, when they attacked. Uh, not that they created many more chances than us. They did create 12, they had 12 shots on target. We only had eight, but we both, sorry, 12 shots and we both had four shots on target. Their possession was way above ours. They had 65% and we only had 35%. I mean, obviously the early goal will have helped us, but I, I just felt as though we was a bit under pressure when, the, you know, when they attacked, which I haven't seen before. I haven't felt that before just seemed to be maybe, I don't know why, we just didn't seem as tight as we have been other games. I know we only let one goal in, and it was a bit of a lucky deflection that got the goals. Deflection off, uh, I think it was one of our midfielders into the path of their, their, their goal scorer. So it wasn't a bad display, just maybe me feeling a bit more apprehensive. I don't know what you felt, Adrian. Yeah, I think at times I was a bit apprehensive in the game. I thought they did look uh, like scoring a bit more than what the Ipswich game did. So, as you say, I don't know why that was, because the team's not much different to the uh, the Ipswich game. The only difference was that, obviously, Regan Slater came in uh, for Alfie Jones, didn't he? So, that was the only real change in the Ipswich game. So, I don't know why it was. And, yeah, I think it was a little bit like that. And I, I've got to say that my thing with it was, was the five substitutes. I don't think it worked for us. I think it made us look a little bit nervy, to be honest. I know we scored the third goal, and that sort of put it more or less to bed. But... You know, it, it was still a bit nervy for me to uh, to watch with the five substitutes. I don't think he should have used all five, to be honest. No, well, I I'm not a big lover of it. I know that they say it's just a different season. I think it's a one-off this season, from what they're saying. Uh, but I'm not a big lover of it. I think, you know, it, it encourages you to make more substitutes. And I think five on, you've only got ten out. It's 50% of your team at some stage you're going to be changing which I don't think is good for any team. I really don't. I think, you know, unless you've got five really top-class substitutes who are going to change the game, I think if you're just changing like for like, unless there's an injury, I really don't see the point of it myself. I think it's too many, and I think changing 50% of your team is not good at all, and that's what it'll work out to your outside players if you change five out of the ten. So I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's only for this season. So that'd be fair enough if they feel that it should be happening this season because of all the problems teams have had with COVID and things like that. Uh, maybe it's fair enough, but I don't think I would be making five substitutes every time if I didn't have to. Uh, and I think it does it does maybe make you think, well, I've got another couple on the bench I could stick on maybe to give them a bit of a game. But it certainly has an impact on the 
the team, I'm sure, when they've been playing for 60 minutes or something like that together, and then you start making all these substitutes. So. Yeah, I mean, he brought two on at 66 minutes, James Scott and Tom Eaves, and then he brought two on at 82 minutes, Dan Batty and Regan Slater, and then 87 minutes, he put Samuelson on, which I just thought... He didn't need to do all them substitutes, to be quite honest with you. It, I think he could have. I think he could have, you know, just done three. I think three would have been enough for us. We'd won the game, and what's the point in putting Samuelson on at eighty-seven minutes? Really, I just, you know, I don't think there was a point in it, to be honest. No, I agree. I mean, it was what was he going to do? It was already three-one up. You know, best he was going to do is stay out the game, maybe sneak a fourth. But the game was, unless we really had a bad last ten minutes. The game was as good as over, you know, and I'd, I, we, we did, you know, we did handle the end of the game quite well, I thought. But you know, there was they had one or two other good chances, didn't they? That the, the they did. Scored. They did. Yeah, no, they did have a couple of good chances. And I think out of the two games, MK Dons was the ones that looked more like scoring. Uh, to be quite honest with you, you know, and and giving us a bit of a matchup, to be honest. So. It was yeah. one of them little nervy ones, I think, MK Dons, and it was good to come through. I, I mean, we talked about it last Saturday. We're, you know, would have been happy with four points. We'll come out with six. Yeah, it was good. But we are better. We know, we know possession, aren't we? I mean, we 35% are. possession. We tend to get the ball up quickly, don't we? This is where the possession falls down. We're not a team that pass it through the midfield of a much. You know, we're trying to get it forward as quickly as possible. And I think, you know, we don't play it back a lot. We do occasionally have these possession parts in the game, but in general, we're trying to get the ball going forward a lot. I don't know if it's because they're not comfortable. Obviously, it's working. You're not becoming, we're not top of the league because we aren't winning any games. So, obviously, it is working, this playing on the counter-attack and not having a lot of possession. But I must admit, last week, I was a little bit nervous. Yeah, me too, but I think, you know, we got the points in the end. We'll come out with the three points, as you say. Another manager that's not not too happy with us coming out with the three points, but unlucky uh, City won again. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. And uh, we are we are number one, aren't we? We are number one. We are number one. So, I don't know, there's an S Club 7. Is it your man number one? Yeah, let's play that one then. Yes, Club 7, your man number one.
Club 7 and City, you're my number one here on Westall FM's Tiger Pop with me, Eddie Wright. And me, Paul Wright. And the match against Ipswich, well, it was a very similar game in statistics to the match against MK Dons. They had 13 shots to our seven, four on target to our five, and again, 65-35 spread on the possession. However, I felt we was always on top in that game. I know Mick Mills, ex-Ipswich player, I suppose he's a bit biased, uh, said that, you know, we should, they, they, had, they should have won, I think he basically said. But if you don't score a goal, you don't win many games. You don't. Unless you're on, unless you're on one of these coupons where they give you a goal start, <laughs> which then they might have had a chance. But, no, I thought we played really well. I think, you know, the goal early on again set us up, but, I thought it was a lot more comfortable than against MK Dons. Yeah, I mean, I've got to agree. Yeah, I think we sent their centre forward or striker, whatever you want to call him. I thought he put himself about and had a, a reasonable game, but they, they didn't look major, a major threat. Again, the possession was a lot in the middle of the park and back in their defence, I think. I don't think that I mean they had one or two chances, obviously, put a bit of pressure on, but I always thought it was comfortable. I thought. You know, Greaves and Beck and the two, the two full-backs handled it really well. Yeah, I've got to agree. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I was going to, I'm going to mention him today. Uh, and, you know, because I think he's a bit of an unsung hero, to be honest. Richie Smallwood, what he's doing in the midfield, he, he's sort of, he's there but nobody really notices him. He don't get on these man-of-the-match things and stuff like that, but what he's doing in the midfield, I saw him, he's, he's basically, if Greaves or if Reese Beck go out of the uh, go out of the half and they take the ball with them, Richie Smallwood drops in to cover him. I saw that he was tracking back and saw that somebody was running and he got a header in before him in the box. It saved them from having that you know chance on our goal and things like that. So I really got a big Richie Smallwood up this week because I think he's playing really well for us and I do think his sort of captain uh, performances and his organisational skills have really helped City this season was lacking something like that last season so really pleased with how he's doing Yeah, I don't, a lot of these midfielders who do that type of job get overlooked when it comes to man of the match or really sterling performances he doesn't score goals, he probably doesn't make many chances but he's breaking up the plays, disrupting the midfield, he's disrupting their midfielders. And as you say, he's putting himself about, probably freeing up George Uniman to a certain degree, who obviously knows he's there. Because George Uniman against Ipswich did make a lot of forward runs. And I'm sure he wouldn't be doing that if he didn't feel behind him, there was somebody covering him. So I think, yeah, Richie Smallwood definitely needs a you know, shout-out. He's, he's certainly not had a bad game, I don't think. No. You know, no, I think I think he seems to be coming. He seems to be coming more fit as well. He he came to us not having a lot of game time last season, and you can see when he first came in, he was a little bit rusty. He was lacking that little bit of game time. But I think now that he's playing more or less every game for us, he's really coming into his own. His fitness is starting to show, and he's showing that he's definitely a match for any midfielder in this league, and probably the next one. Yeah, he's very experienced, isn't he? So he obviously knows what he's doing. He knows what it's all about. It's probably been his his game from day one. He's been a, maybe a holding midfielder, doing the dirty work, as a lot of people say. And he's doing a really good job. As I say, he's freeing up Honeyman. The only thing I don't know, whether I would put Slater in above Jones. No, I, I, I agree I with you. 
I still feel a little bit sorry for Dan Batty because I felt last game he had against Harrogate, and I know it was only Harrogate, but I thought he had a really good performance. And I'm sure Regan Slater didn't have a bad game, but he wasn't anything outstanding. I'm sure Batty could have had a similar game, you know, on the performance he had against Harrogate. But saying that, I mean, the one, so you can't, you can't have a go too much. As I say, we looked really sharp, I thought, up front. I'll, I'll tell you, know. you a couple of points. I, I spoke to Mike yesterday about uh, the Regan Slater and Dan Batty situation. He said the manager doesn't fancy Dan Batty and that's all there is to it. And I, I suppose he's got a point in a way because he only got a year's extension this year. He didn't get anything else. No, well, I understand that. But, you know, and the kid's playing well. Even if he's playing to either get another year extension or go to another club, if he's, if he's playing well or he's having good games... Is it fair to leave him out because, you know, maybe think he's not going to be here or you don't fancy him? Regan Slater's only on loan. So, yeah. not major again. Alfie Jones, I think he's one of ours. So Yeah, no, I think I, I, Alfie Jones is definitely uh, uh, definitely before Regan Slater for me. I think the thing with the Regan Slater thing is he's come on loan from Sheffield United and I think that obviously they'll have a little bit of a thing to say, you know, we, need, we want him playing more games else he's coming back and, and that might be in Grant's thinking at the moment with it coming up to the January transfer window. It could be. Well, if it is, fair enough. I mean, as I say, it didn't let us down. I'm not having a go at the lad. He had a reasonable game. But I think there's others who will have had just as reasonable a game. Uh, but there you go. That's, that's the way they go with it. But, yeah, I thought we played really well. One person I wanted to mention is Eves. I know he come on late again, but he had some really good touches, did Tom Eves. Took his goal well. And he had some really good touches. And I... I just think it, we spoke about him the other week as being an enigma and he used to me because sometimes he can't even track the ball properly. It's three yards away from him. Yet a couple of times recently he's, he's done little flicks and, you know, little good layoffs and held the ball up well and put three people, you know, trying to put people through. I don't know if they had a bit of a change on training with him because he just seems a different player sometimes to what you normally see of him where he can't control the ball he just runs into dead ends and all that, but he looked quite sharp against Ipswich, I thought. Yeah, I think... watching the Guinness and thinking I can, I can do that type of job, I don't know. You know, but he's certainly... I knew he was only for 20 minutes or so, but I thought he had a good 20 minutes, which... Tom Eves is good, I think. Yeah, no, it is. And uh, I think that, you know, he's, he's took his goal well, as you said. And I think the goal will give him a bit of confidence because that's what you need as a striker. You need that bit of confidence. And he was lacking a little bit of confidence. So hopefully that'll give uh, Tom Eves a bit of confidence. I was going to say about the Mick Mills thing, I was unlucky enough to have to switch uh, commentaries because my commentary for Hull City won't working. So I switched the commentary and I ended up listening to Mick Mills. And I thought, what are you what? Watching the same game as me, Mick. You know, you, you're a professional footballer. You might be an Ipswich fan, but my God, you know, get a grip of yourself, for God's sake. Well, I, I, to be honest, I thought Ipswich was quite poor. I don't think they, they had a lot of threat. I thought, as I say, I thought the striker had a good game, a bit like McGinnis running our defenders down and trying to get into the channels and trying to bring people in. But to be fair, he was often by himself. You know, there was nobody really coming up with him and I just thought there was poor let's put it that way you know I didn't think there was I didn't, you know if they go up they'll have to change the tactics and I thought the manager got it totally wrong because Hull City had obviously done the homework they was pressing on the centre back and they, were, they knew he wasn't going to lump it forward he was looking for a pass and you know he, he didn't 
it, it, it looked unsure a lot of the time. McGuinness is quite quick, you know, and I think he looked unsure, and I think City had done their own work. And I don't know if Ipswich had done their own work, whether they thought they could just pass us off the park and create chances, I don't know. But we certainly had done our own work because they did press the centre-half a lot and they knew he wasn't going to lump it forward very often. He was always looking for the pass. And even the keeper, he looked unsure when he got the ball. We nearly, he did. I think it was George Honeyman who nearly took it off his toe end. Up. One of the, one of yeah, I think it was that. Oh, yeah, Honeyman, yeah. You know, he nearly took it off his toe end and that would have been 4-1. So yeah. I just didn't think they looked a good team, Ipswich. I think they need they need something else. I don't think I don't know what I hope they don't get it. Like cause I want us to go up, so I ain't really bothered about them. But they didn't they didn't make me feel uncomfortable like MK Dons did. No, and so that's I, uh, that's obviously put the games put us on the top of the league. Thirty points we've got now from uh, thirteen games played, more than two points a game, which is brilliant. It knocked Ipswich down to fifth place. They're still on twenty five points though, Ipswich, and you know they've obviously done something to get them twenty five points. But as you say, I didn't really see it to be honest. No, I didn't. I must admit, I didn't see it. Uh, whether there was a bit of an hangover from them from the Saturday game because they got a late winner. Uh, in the 90-odd minutes, didn't they, to win the game? Yeah, and they've uh, got Charlton this it... weekend, haven't they? So that's a big game between them two. Yeah, well, a draw to South City, I think. Yeah, you know. it definitely would, definitely would. And, and, and it's you know, it was a good game. I enjoyed watching the game. I think we played really well. And, yeah, we, there was only one deserving winner. So I don't know what Mick Mills was on about. Whole City was the deserving winner, and they won and the top of the league for it. Yeah, well, long may it continue. Long may it continue. Right, we're going to have a song and then we're going to talk to, uh, well, it's an interview that we did earlier on in the week uh, where we managed to get hold of Brian Hart and have a chat about all things Hull City. And we also talked to him about his book that he's got out, uh, 2000 Games, I think it is, isn't it? A Life in Football. Uh, and you'll be able to hear that interview. It's a good interview that we've done with Brian and I'm, I'm sure that you'll all enjoy it. I'm sure you will. Very knowledgeable fella, very knowledgeable. Very knowledgeable and, and a pleasure to talk to and thanks for taking the time out to speak to us. Let's play this one because we're going to talk about his book. It's Beautiful South and My Book. This is my life and this is how it reads For every chapter a thousand memories A murder, a mystery where everybody bleeds A fantasy, a thriller with romance and disease Diary entry night for May 62 We've had some ugly babies, but now we're quite Diary entry 62 at end of May It looks as if the nose and chin are definitely here to stay We're here to stay We're here to stay If my lips start smiling and my knees start knocking I'm a failure And if we seem half-hearted It's because I'm broken-hearted I'm a failure This is my life, and this is how it breathes A documentary that nobody believes Albert stepped toeing gun with the breeze Mother played by Peter Beardsley, father by John Cleese Diary entry 68, end of the year The car by Apollo 6 is given the alcohol 11th December 68, Captain's Log Proposed trip to Mars is cancelled due to fog It's due to fog Start smiling and my knees start 
Ladies and gents, I'm really pleased to say that we've got an ex-Hull City player manager he started off on. Managed Hull City from 1984 to 88. I'd say he was one of our most successful managers. He got promotion to the old second division and nearly managed to take us up to the first division. Just fell short that season and if there had been playoffs, we, we might have actually got the promotion. I'm pleased to say that Brian Horton joins me this afternoon. Good afternoon, Brian. Good afternoon. And uh, how, how did you find player manager at first, then, Brian? Well, what, what, what happened was I, I'd, I'd signed a two-year contract at Luton after we'd stayed up after we beat Man City in that famous game to, to stay up. And then I'd, I'd had offers from other clubs. And then David Pleach talked me into, uh, not talked me into it, but offered me a, a two-year contract and said, uh, after one, let's see how we go, which, we, again, we did well. We stayed up in the Division One and then see where you want to go. And I thought it was just time that I, I broke into being the player manager or player coach somewhere. And uh, obviously David had a, had a big input into uh, recommending me to Don Robinson along with um, other, other famous names and, and, and players. So um, that's, how, that's how it all started. And you, you did you did really well for for City. I mean, you, you've you've got 195 games, it says here, and your win ratio was uh, 77 wins, which is a good win ratio, 39 percent. Yeah, well, the first year, obviously, I was player manager and um, didn't play all the games, but played a big majority of them. Um, and there was a good team. Uh, we had some good players in there right through the team. You know, with you know Tony Tony Norman, top goalkeeper. Pete Skipper, God bless him, Stan McEwen, um, Steve McLaren, Gareth Roberts, Billy Askew, Billy Whitehurst, gosh, you know, Steve Massey was up top with him. Um, we had some really, really good players and um, changed the system at times. So we started like with a 4-3-3 with me being a holding midfield player. And uh, as we progressed and went to the next division, uh, after we got promotion in my first full season, um, I, I played the sweeper system sometimes where I played around the back of Pete Skipper and, and, and Stan McEwen and, and that worked well as you just said there we finished six, which was the joint highest they'd ever finished in the history of Hull City and if the playoffs had been in we'd have made the playoffs and ironically that's what uh, Phil Brown in fact you can ask me that a bit later when I go into when I'm with Phil I'll tell you what Phil said to me yeah please that'd be good yeah yeah, so you 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 know you, some of those names that you mentioned in your Tony Normans, your Billy Askews, I saw uh, that was the era that I really started to to follow City. Uh, I was I was about ten when you uh, when you came in, and I used to be quite lucky because my 
my nana had a lodger and he he had a season pass but his friend had a season pass who was in the merchant navy and if he was away in the merchant navy he used to let me go on his season pass so i got to see quite a lot of games when you, you was involved between the 84 and the 88 and th- those names are the ones that i remember tony normal in goal he was fantastic but I had a, I had a fantastic captain as well in Gareth Roberts. Yeah, you know the lads, the lads, uh, had great respect for him. He was uh, he was a fully committed player. For you know, he was a small Gareth, five four, five five, something like that, five six, and um, he was he, he would run and run and run for ninety minutes. His fitness levels were unbelievable, and also which is great for a captain. He had the players that really, really respected him greatly. Yeah, and you need that as a captain. I mean, Gareth's whole city full, through and through, and you know he'll do anything if you said to him, "Come on here, he'd come on here and talk." No problem, because he's all city through and through, and he's really got a, the heart for it. And I think that helps, doesn't it, when you've got a player that that is, you know, that much committed to it. Well, that's what I found when I came up there. You know, I, I played it all a couple of times, didn't know the area uh, particularly well. But that's what I found when I came to the football club that, you know, we, we had a good start, obviously. And um, I just found a backing of the, of the fans, really, from somebody, you know, coming up from south that they probably hadn't heard of that much that I just got great respect straight away. And I had great respect for the fans. They they were right behind us uh, from day one. And uh, obviously we rewarded with them, particularly in those first two years, which were, were fabulous years. Yeah, de- definitely. So I really enjoyed watching uh, football at Hull City. Then I think it was fabulous. I think there was a, quite a good feel good factor around the around the place, and and that seemed to you know just sort of breed with with the team that you had and you know your management style, I suppose. Well, I, I've been very fortunate in my in my career. I had three great managers: Gordon Lee, Port Vale, who took me to Port Vale, and then he left and went to. Uh, Blackburn to Newcastle to Everton and then going to Brighton Peter Taylor signed me but only stayed 12 games and then Alan Murray came in who'd been a world class player uh, he, he was contemplating playing so he told me that when when he saw me playing he decided that that was enough for him and he retired but uh, he never he never ever once in the, in the years I was with him from 76 basically to 81 um, never ever went out defensive-minded. We we just never, ever uh, played that way. And then going to David Pleat, and David was exactly the same, probably even more so, where he was just a pure football purist that we had to play uh, proper football, basically. You know, a passing game. Uh, that's where I changed my system, uh, my, my position when I went to Luton as a, from an attacking midfield player. And, and it suited me greatly because I was 31, that he wanted me to just sit in front of the back four and be the older midfield player and, and be solid in front of the back four area. And, and we absolutely cruised with the first season in the championship. We won, we won it by miles. And then, obviously, the second season, we had to win at Man City on that, as I've said before, at that famous game. But as I'm saying, David was just a purist. So I decided when I got into management, that's the way I wanted to be. I never, I never really set the team out to be that defensive. Obviously, you've got to do defensive work, which you did, but... I had some good defenders. Um, Laurie Peace and I brought in. Um, you know, I, I brought some good players along along the way. Richard Jobson came in, Gary Parker came in, Alex Dyer. There were some good players that came into the football club. 
Yeah, it's it's good when you can you can bring those players in and they can do what you want them to do in the team. That's a, a big thing if they can come in and and sort of get in and start doing what you want them to do, and 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 it just sort of carries on from there, really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think um, getting players in is is a massive thing, um, and and I was lucky in that respect that Don Robinson. Just let me get on with the football. He never once in the in the five years I was there, four years and four and a bit years, whatever. He he, he never interfered in football um, selection of a team, selection of a system, buying selling. Obviously, he got involved when we were buying and selling because see he did the finances, and then obviously he made me a director, didn't he? So I could have more of a an input into that, which he wanted. He was living in Scarborough, and we'd have regular meetings, but he wanted me to be more hands-on and I learned a lot of Don Robinson in, in that in that side of the game which stood me instead in, in latter years How did you find Don Robinson? I think he was fantastic I mean obviously he sat me on that night and I had to resign of being a, a director before he could sack me but because <laughs> uh, that's the way it is um, saw it coming a little bit and I mentioned this to Dennis Booth and Dennis went no chance. No, he, he like his son, and I was. I was basically like his son. He, we we trusted each other implicitly. Uh, we got on great, um, and it, it came as a surprise uh, in, in a way. The way it was done after a game, uh, which which you we always say, never do it after a game. Never even like manage to do a player make a decision right after a game. Go home, think about it. Maybe think about it for forty eight hours, but. He obviously he, made, he, he talked about it with the directors and he made a decision after we lost to Swindon on that night. And then he went back on the decision, didn't he? Yeah, he went down to the dressing room to tell. I said to him, "Are you going to tell the players or shall I?" And uh, I rang my wife, who was upstairs in the board, or let her know in the boardroom. Sorry, I rang my mum and dad from my office um, and told them before he came out in the morning. Yeah. And uh, I said, "Are you going to tell the players or shall I?" He said, "No, I, I'll go and tell them." Anyway, he came back up. He said they've just murdered me in the in the dressing room. He said they've just absolutely gone mad. I said, well, I expected them to. I said they they respect me. We've got great respect for each other. You know, there's no there's no bad apples in that dressing room. They're all be- behind us. You know. And he said, yeah. He said to me, would you come back? And I said, no, I wouldn't come back. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't blame he, you. He, no, you can't make decisions like that. I mean, I've been a, a you know. So every time I lose the game, I'm going to get the sack and then come back. And, no, <laughs> once it happened, it happened. So that was good. Yeah, definitely. Right, just we'll we'll take a little break there, Brian, if that's all right. And I'll come back to you and we'll talk a little bit more about Hull City when you was managing. Then we'll come on to the Phil Brownies, if that's all right. Yeah, fine. Thank you. You're on Tiger Pop on Westall FM with me, Eddie Wright. And me, Paul Wright. And this afternoon, we're really lucky to be talking to Brian Horton. Uh, we've been talking to him a little bit about his years with Hull City when he was in management, uh, the player manager and then the manager for Hull City. And I, I wanted to mention to Brian, I got uh, we had a competition wish- winner over the uh, weekend, Paul Harper, and he was good enough to send me a letter that you sent to him back in 1985. Congra- he congratulated you on uh, getting promotion and uh, you sent him a really nice letter back. I think I sent you a copy of letter did you see it brian it did yes yeah, it's amazing that isn't it? and it's in really good condition and i can't believe that he's uh, managed to keep hold of it for this long yeah it's nice i i always wherever i was i mean obviously that was that was unwritten uh, by myself and uh, as i as i progressed and 
I would, I would, I would always reply to letters, even if it was like a little bit of criticism, as long as they weren't stupid, as long as they weren't being horrible and nasty. If it was a constructive letter, I always tried to reply. And, and, and also, I mean, when you reply to nice letters like that, it always gives you satisfaction. And when I went on and on uh, Management City, which was my biggest management job, my secretary, uh, would then, um, I would just obviously, um, dictated to her and she, she would type it and send it back. But we, but I always did it because I, I, I think if people have got the time to write you nice letters like that, and, and I've done it since I've been on Twitter when I've replied to nice, and, and, and I would say 99.9 of them that I've received off Twitter and it's gone crazy <laughs> have been, have been nice. And if they, if they are a little bit, you know, um, negative, as long as they're not abusive, then I, I again, I, I will always reply. No, I think that's a good thing, and it keeps people, you know, it'll kept in. Well, it said, Paul said to me, you know, it, said, it kept him really interested in the club, and at the time, he was quite a young lad. I think he said he was five or six at the time, and and to get that letter back from you, it made his it made his day, you know, really did. Well, that's what you have to understand as as a manager and, and as a player that these, you know, people like yourselves there pay pay lots of good money to come and watch you play and um, and support the football club and that's why you have to be you know good going back to them and respect what they they're doing for for the football club and obviously Hull's Hull's a big place and 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 it's it's fantastic to see them progress obviously you know when I went back with Phil we should talk about in a, in a while when I went back and they've got the new stadium and Boothby Park's not there and I love Boothby Park I love playing on it I love my little office in the in the stand there and I loved it, but obviously the progression of the football club and the progressive progression of all the stadiums is is unbelievable. Yeah. I'm very, very envious as a as an ex player that, that that all these top players now are playing in stadiums like that. Yeah, definitely. Did you did you live in Hull when you managed Hull then, Brian? I lived in Ferriby. Lived in Ferriby. Yeah, yeah. Loved did you it. like it? Loved it. Yeah, my, my, my twins were born. Boy and a girl, Matthew and Lucy, were born in Beverly. Um, so uh, and lived in North Ferriby, which was. So handy, you know, it took me, what, 10 minutes to get into work and, yeah. and back. I went to lots of games in the evening. Dennis Booth would, would come along uh, to, to lots of them uh, with me. And, um, yeah, absolutely love living in Hull. The, the people the people were fantastic to me. And, um, you know, and obviously coming back the second time and doing what we did the second time makes it even more special. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the second time then, Brian, because we'll mention it a lot coming back with uh, with Phil. How did that come about, and and you know how did you find it and things like that? Well, first and first and foremost, I, I didn't know Phil as a friend. We we knew each other as as football people, and I sat with him at a game at, at Man United. He was with Sam Allardyce at Bolton, and and, and I was. Uh, I can't remember where I was now, but he we obviously came and sat by me and we were talking football and he actually said, I want to be a manager one day. And I thought, why? I said, you with Sam, you're doing well. Sam could go on and do big things. You could be with him. And he said, no, I want to, I want to, I want to have a go. I said, well, if that's what you want to do, do it because you'd regret it by the sound of, of what you're thinking. Uh, anyway, he got the Derby job just after that and it didn't work out for him. And, um, then he got the, he went in with, um, Phil Parkinson. Uh, Phil Parkinson, yeah. Um, so he, he then they were having a bad time. He got the job and said that he'd been told. I saw him at a football function uh, then in in, in Manchester, uh, where I was where I was living and still live. 
and they said, I've been told if I keep them up, then uh, I, I could get the job permanent. Would you be interested in never being a, a number two? And I said, well, I've never been a number two, and I don't know. Um, so let's see what happens. Anyway, he, he got the job eventually, and um, he, he we made arrangements to meet, which we did, and had coffee and had a good chat. He said, I'm, I'm speaking to four of the people around your age and experience, and then I'll make a decision. And uh, luckily, he chose me, and I'd never been a number two, as I said. He said to me, I don't want you to be a number two. I want you to throw ideas. Steve Parkins has been a manager, and I want him to be the same. I want you to throw everything at me, and then, then, then I'll make my decisions accordingly, which is which is right, and that's what you want out of your staff. And we just got on great. He, he had a he had a, a clubhouse in uh, Royal House that all had rented for him again in Ferriby, and uh, I used to stay overnight occasionally for going to night games or staying over to be early next morning. And uh, so we got to know each other great, and we still speak now all the time. Although we're not either of us are not in football, but uh, same with Steve Parkin and Bob Shaw, the chief scout. I speak to Simon Maltby, the physio, and Sean Russ, the fitness coach. So uh, I speak to Paul Duffin, uh, regular, and the whole thing that we achieved in in those three virtually three seasons was was unbelievable. The, the spirit and the camaraderie we had within the group of, of not just the players, the staff was absolutely second to none. It was unbelievable, unbelievable times, and obviously culminating in winning at Wembley, you know, to take us to. Uh, to where they've never been. And that's what Phil said to me when I was going to say what Phil said to me. He said, when I first went, he said, I want to beat your record because you were joined sixth. So if we're six now or above, we'll get in the playoffs or automatic. And obviously we got in the playoffs and, and, and so it equaled my record. And then he said, I want to beat you now. So by getting promotion, which obviously we did. And when we went on that day to, to, to play Bristol City, he, he, we got on the team coach and driving to Wembley. He said, what do you think today? I said, we'll, we won't get beat today. Nobody will beat us today. We were, we were flying at that time, weren't we? Yeah, we played some yeah. good football. Yeah. We played some good football. We were strong. We had good characters. Ian Ashby was a, t- a tremendous captain. Dean Windus coming back. Nicky Barnby. The list too long to go through. The, the whole lot in again, as I'm saying, you need a strong dressing room. A dressing room is together to be able to do those things that we did. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Did you want to ask something on there, Dad? Well, yeah, I just I wanted to say, what do you feel about being a number two? Because you had a really good career as a manager. I was reading somewhere you managed over a thousand times, and you in the top, I think thirty-one other managers or thirty other managers managed that many times. So you're in this sort of exalted company in that respect. You know the amount of times you'd managed. So I just wondered what you thought about being a number two. Because you was number two to Mark Lawrence as well, weren't you? I went, when I, when I got that sack from, uh, from Hull, uh, Mark had just got the Oxford job and uh, he, he was brand new. He didn't know players. He didn't know many people or the managers in the game. So he said to me, would you, would you come and help me for that initial period? And I said, yeah, of course I will. I wasn't working. Nobody offered me a job by that time. So I went down to Oxford to work with him, but no contract, no nothing. And then Mark resigned over getting, uh, selling Dean Saunders to Derby and, uh, Obviously, they offered me the job and off I went. But so to do a thousand games, you know, is, is one of my proudest achievements, to be perfectly truthful. But, you know, because as I said in my book, got free transfer at 17, went on a building for four years playing non league football, um, and then coming back and did what I did and to get a thousand games. So, 
Yeah, you're right there. When it was a hard decision, you know, because once you've done that, you always probably be want to be that way. But the way that we worked together didn't feel like that. As I said before, with Steve Parkin and and um, and, and 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 Bob Shaw and, and the Gaffer, it was just. It was. It wasn't like that. It was just a team. It wasn't. Oh, I'm number one, number two, number three, number four. Yeah. It, it wasn't like that. Do you know, and that's what that's what I like. That's why I always try to achieve with my managerial staff as well. That you will, you know, allow you the manager. You know, it, it, it's a team game. It's a, it's a team. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that, and then you know, to do over two thousand games, which is the title of my book, um, as a player, as a manager, as a number two, is uh, there's only three ever. Ever done over two thousand games, so that again gives me unbelievable satisfaction. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Another thing, you must have had a good rapport with a lot of the clubs because three of them I noticed you played for and actually managed. So it's, I, I would think that's unusual as well, to be honest. For, I know on the two go back and manage, you know, but to manage three of the clubs that you played at is, I think, it's quite a rarity, to be honest. Well, you know. it is. It is. Yeah. yeah, I never looked at it that way. To be perfectly truthful, yeah, Brighton was a difficult one because. The the, the the ground had, had had gone from Brighton and they were playing at Gillingham, which is like M23, M25, M2 to play a home game, and and they, they were they were second bottom, third bottom when I when I went went there, I kept them up. They taught me to stay in, and 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 you know it was hard work. They didn't have a training ground, they didn't have offices. They had a little office down in in, in Brighton, Brighton Station. The club was all over the place, and it was hard. But it, it was a hard decision, probably one of the hardest I've ever had to make um, as a manager. That uh, when Port Vale came calling to to leave Brighton because they were in the playoff places when when I left, and unfortunately missed out uh, being in the playoffs at the end of the season. So that was a really tough one. And obviously, as you said quite rightly, then I'm obviously going back to Port Vale where I played uh, for from '71 to '76 as a player. And again, I had five years with another great chairman that never interfered in football. And whilst I'm saying that, at Oxford, Kevin Maxwell um, was exactly the same. So to have Don Robinson, Kevin Maxwell and Bill Bell uh, in three, almost five years stints, that no involvement in any picking teams or as they, as as a lot do now. I mean, you know, because a lot of managers use coaches now, they... It's it's a different progression that they have in the football club. So I like I like doing that where I had control of saying bringing Richard Jobson, and Gary Parker, and Alex Dyer. And you know I didn't say say when Billy Whitehurst went to Newcastle for all that money, then the chairman would take over that deal. And that's that's how it worked. You know we had a, we had a great um, team team effort with 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 with, with, with the way that it was run. I, yeah. like, I liked the way that you went into the stands when you was uh, with Phil Brown because you used to sit in the stand a lot of the time and he used to be on the sidelines and I think that probably gave you a better perspective as a as a duo really. Yeah, well, he, he'd done that when he was with Sam Allardyce at Bolton, so he wanted me to do that first half. So you can see what system. I mean, we'd, obviously, we'd done all the work on Bob Shaw. We'd done all all the work on and uh, what. Say, say we were playing Fulham on their system with their set pieces and everything like that. So I would sit up there and, 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 and make sure they were playing that way. If they weren't, then I'd be on the, straight on to Phil. No, they're not playing 3-4-3 three, three, three today. They're playing 4-4-2 four, four, or they're playing 4-5-1. Uh, he's playing there, he's playing there. What we might need to do is you might need to push Sam Ricketts in or just, just a bit of advice where you can see 
the game better from up above, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, the thing I would ask, probably, who was the best player you sang and who was the best player you played with? At where? Well, anywhere. In, in, in your career. In my career? In my career, I would say that Mark Ronson was probably the best player I ever played with. Uh, Brighton signed him for 100 grand from Preston. Uh, Mark was a fantastic footballer. He was always going to go and be a world-class player, which he did at Liverpool and playing for Aero as many times as he did. Um, it's a it's a real tough one, you know, when you say who, who's who's the best you've ever you've ever signed. Um, I I went with a Man City Uwe Rosler because Uwe come for not a lot of money when you're talking about Premier League. I think it was about three hundred grand or something like that. Uh, but I mean, some of the players I signed, which I've mentioned before, at All City, and um, I still, funny enough, speak to Alex Dyer probably as much as anybody at the moment. Alex now has got a job in Kilmarnock, and 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 uh, I signed him a few times, Alex. And uh, and yeah. what I remember about him is the goal he scored at Leeds that day. We beat Leeds two 0 and he went through. I was playing up front after Billy had gone. I was playing up front, and he went through, and he beat about four or five players. Sat the keeper around, walked around him, and rolled it into an empty net. Um, Alex was a good signing. Richard Jobson, forty grand, and what they're selling for six hundred or something like that. <laughs> Gary Parker, I made a mistake selling Gary Parker. I shouldn't have sold him. But when when you got an offer on the table of two hundred grand profit, obviously it comes into the equation at a, a club which you know where two hundred grand was a lot of money at, at that time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely. Well, there's still some of them now, don't there? To be fair, it's not a, a new thing. Money, money still talks now, doesn't it? So it's just a lot more of it about that soul than there was years ago. I mean, players go for silly amounts, really, don't they? Oh, it's uh, when you when you think how, how quickly that's gone as well. You know how it's gone upwards. I mean, in terms of the transfer fees and the salaries now, it's uh, it's mind blowing. But um, what I will say, I. I had a wonderful year in football, wonderful career in football. From 15, and I'm counting on my non-league days at the place where I was born, Ensford Town, which I loved uh, the four years there, right the way through to now. So, um, good luck to them. You know, if they can get that kind of money, I'm not envious of anybody that, that, that does that. While we're, speaking of, while we're speaking of money then, Brian, I uh, I looked at your Hensford Town thing in the book and, and you said about you was, you was playing for Hensford and you was working on the building site, you're earning 40 quid a week and then all of a sudden you get offered 21 quid to go to Port Vale. That must have been a hard decision to make. Well, with, with, with what I was getting on the building site and working for myself in the end and, and playing for Hensford Town, so we're playing, you know, Saturday, say Tuesday, Saturday, so getting... Good money, we were winning, so we getting a little bit of bonus. So with, with my with my money that I was getting off the building, the money for Hensford, I was getting miles more than than I got going back to Port Vale in the league. But I wanted to I wanted to have another crack at it, and that's exactly what I said to Dean Windass, which is in the book. Dean Dean was the same, wasn't he? Dean was an yeah. apprentice that we made the decision. It was it was one of those things that it was a tough decision to let him go because he had great ability, loved the game. Uh, but you don't win them all and I actually said that to him go and prove me wrong like like, like I did and that's exactly what he did didn't he he went to North Therapy he went on the building I think I'm pretty sure yeah he did and yeah. then yeah and then off he went didn't he and, and had a marvellous career and when he came back and he scored a winner which he used to remi- remind me of that that I'd give him a free <laughs> transfer many times and uh, I, I actually used to say well if I was manager now I'd give you another free transfer but there you go <laughs> No, nobody could blame you for that, Brian. 
Pardon? I said nobody could blame you for that. <laughs> no, yeah, no, he's a good character. I speak to him a lot, and uh, that goal, that goal at uh, Wembley was. Uh, well, it, they put it on Sky every now and again. I watch it over, over and over. You know, Fraser Campbell pulling the ball back uh, and, and hitting on the volley. He had that in his locker. He had great ability, do you know? He did have great. Yeah, yeah, he definitely had a great ability. Definitely, I, I love that. That was the you know the, in, in football in terms, it was the best day of my life that Wembley game. Yeah, yeah well, it gave some those people. That 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 day again. You see, I mean, again they show it every now and again, don't they, on on Sky? And you know, Sam Ricketts made a challenge in the something like the 89th minute, two yards out on the block. You know, I mean, Bose Meyer was a top goalkeeper. Yeah. And the, 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 I mean, that that back four that day. I was talking to Bob Shaw about it. Funny enough, I speak to Bob all the time, and Bob's a scout now at Notts Forest. Yeah, and I, and I say to him about defenders, Andy Dawson. Top defender. Yeah. Um, uh, where am I going now? Wayne Brown. Yeah. Michael Turner. Sam Ricketts. That back four were solid and wanted to defend. They would put the bodies on the line. In Ashby midfield, the Imani had loads of energy. Um, Brian Hughes, who we signed, and I'd seen Brian play for Wrexham years and years before. Good player, good pro. Then you got you got people like Nicky Barnby. Um, Great professional. I'd known Nicky since he was a young kid, and 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 his dad, his mum and dad, and and uh, Dean Windass, Fraser Campbell. What a good team that was. Yeah, that won, was it. Good, won it. Won it. Yeah, good team. Good. Yeah, defenders then wanted to defend. They don't seem to be that 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 ilk anymore, do they? Just, they want right. to play a bit more football. And years ago, they, they just. I mean, I think I think it's a good one. I prefer defenders to defend block shots and things like things. Now that they want them to play a bit more football, don't they, defenders? Most of the fullbacks yeah. in the modern football are attacking fullbacks, aren't they? They're not classed yeah. as you know top defenders. But all I'm saying that that team got got on a roll at that time because we were nowhere near at one time, or we we went to four four two system and. We were virtually unplayable, weren't we? We, we were strong, we were physical. Richard Garcia, I, I didn't mention Richard. Richard Garcia, top top pro. Um, right the way through. And, and the lads that were on the bench, I mean, we had JJ Kocha, didn't we? Yeah. JJ couldn't get in the team. No. Uh, uh, couldn't get in the team at Wembley. I mean, that that, t- that takes some believing, doesn't it? You've got to play a world-class player like JJ and he can't get in the team. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was a very good team, but it's, as, as you said earlier on about team spirit, I think that makes a lot of difference, doesn't it, in the team? If you've got the right spirit there, it makes a lot of difference. It can get you wins when you maybe don't deserve to win or shouldn't win. It gets you the wins. I think the team spirit sometimes. Well, Don Robinson was good on that. Don, Don, you, we used to go up to Scarborough sometimes with the team and staff and over and have a meal together and he'd take us abroad at the end of the season. Um you know, Don was brilliant like that. We're getting, getting a, like a team spirit going. He, he was excellent, and and we did the same again when, when as I, as I mentioned before, Paul Duffin and, and and the rest of the directors up there, they, they, you know, they let us go to places, warm weather training, and go abroad and stuff to get the team bonding, if you like. And 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 it, it, it you, you need to do that. You you need to be together. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think, I right. think so. Yeah, I mean, I think that Hull City at the moment we're just starting to get that team spirit a little bit back in our in our squad, which we hadn't had for a, for a couple of seasons. Probably we're just starting to get that back by the looks of things. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I'm pleased about it. I had another good winning tips switch last night, and uh, after last year's, you know, I mean, it was a you know, poor season, wasn't it? And yeah. 
you know, to, to get relegated with the stadium, as I've said before, but thankfully and hopefully they're, they're on the way back. Let's hope so, let's yeah, hope so. So it's possible, definitely possible. So before you, know, you go, Brian, it, it'd be rude of us not to talk a little bit about your book. 2,000 Games of Life in Football. I've, I got it from Amazon. I see it's available on there. Anywhere else that the people can buy it from? Uh, and, you know, do you want to tell a few things about the book or do you want to leave it for them to read it? Well, yeah, I mean, you can. Waterstones are selling it and Pitch Publishing, who are the publishers, they're selling it. If you If you Google or the fans Google Brian Horton, and the title of the book, then it tells you where you can buy it. And as you say, Amazon uh, are selling it, uh, uh, Waterstones and, and Pitch Publishing, and I think there's one or two others that are selling it. So, yeah, just just Google that on uh, Brian Orton, 2,000 Games, Life in Football, and that tells you where you can buy it in the price. Yeah, yeah, it, no, that's good. And then do you want to say a couple of things about the book, Brian? Yeah, well, well, well what, what happened there was that um, I... I uh, Tim Richards, the writer, is a fantastic writer. He did Ron Atkinson's uh, Kanchelskis, and he just did uh, Bielsa, the Leeds manager, just before me. And uh, he's, he's a brilliant writer. And uh, I did a, uh, a chapter on Man City managers, so he came to my house, did my chapter, and like we're doing now, telling stories and talking, he said, gosh, you've got some good stories, haven't you? And uh, I said, well, yeah, should they after all those games? And he looked it up and went, wow. That'd be a good title. He said, do you fancy doing one? I'm not in work. I've got, you know, I'm going, still going to loads of games, and but choosing my games where I want to go now. Um, and he said, if we can get a publisher, do you fancy? So he got in touch with Pitch Publishing. Uh, met, we met them in London. We had to send him a chapter down, uh, which we did. We did a certain chapter uh, of, of my things that I'd done. They went for it, and, and off we went. And uh, apparently it's doing very well. Um it's it's right up there with Pitch Publishing with all their other books and with other books that are out. And uh, apparently it's doing really well, so delighted. And and the fact that I could have, you know, the, Dennis Booth said a few words, Paul Duffer said a few words, my children, my wife said a few words in it, that, that it's there in it as well, do you know what I mean? So it's not all just, I know, they are, I know they're talking about me, which is nice, and obviously I wasn't going to let them say nasty things, was I? <laughs> 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 but no, I've really enjoyed doing it, and uh, I'm getting lots of good response. And uh, as I said, I went on Twitter and, uh, and and getting lots of response off that as well through that, uh, and I'm delighted. Well, I've started reading it, Brian. I've not got anywhere near through it yet, but I, I tell you what, I, I like the flow of the book because there's some books that you know you, you don't get a flow, but yours is flowing straight from the start right the way through, and I like the flow of it. It's telling me a story of the full you know career and your management and stuff like that, rather than being backwards and forwards and things like that. I really like the flow of the book, to be honest. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been good and. Uh... As I said, a long and, and, and wonderful career, and it's just nice to talk about other people that I've worked with as well. No, it certainly is, and we we appreciate you coming on uh, Tiger Pop yeah, on Westall FM well. today, Brian. It's been really good of you to give your time up and to and to talk to us, and you know, for a little radio station like us, we're really appreciative of it. No, that's brilliant. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, thanks very much, Brian. Thanks very much. Okay. Have Thank a good you. Christmas, guys. Okay. And you, Brian. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Got my first real six string Bought it at the five and done Played it till my fingers bled Was a summer 
See this we had Brian Horton on. We thought we'd play you a bit about Brian Adams, and that one's the summer of '69. And you're on Tiger Pop with me, Eddie Wright, and me, Paul Wright. And now we're going to preview, preview tomorrow's game against Stevenage in the FA Cup second round. Now it's on BBC iPlay. I think it's a one thirty kickoff, so you can watch it live. And it's a, it's a, obviously a chance for us to get one of the big lads in round three if we can get through. Looking at Stevenage, they're not doing that well in the division. The 21st, they've played 14 games, won two, drawn five and lost seven. And they've only scored 10 goals and conceded 15. So the games were a bit doer by the looks of things. There's not a lot of goals in the game. But they had a runner actually about three or four matches ago, not scoring for six games. So, you know, they're obviously not prolific scorers. It could be a difficult game because they'll see it as a bit of David and Goliath, chance to set down one of the leading lights in the division above. But I would like to think all City has got enough, even if they don't play the strongest team, to beat Stevenage. And speaking of teams, what team do you think will put out, Adrian? Well, I definitely don't think it'll be uh, the the first team, to be honest. I think he'll give the first team a bit of a rest, to be honest. I won't... I wouldn't be risking any of them in the Stevenage game. I know that Reese Burke's out because he's going for an operation on his nose, isn't he? Because of that clash that he'd had the week before. So, Reese Burke's definitely not going to play. I think he'll start George Long in goal. Obviously, he'll start Louis Coyle because Louis Coyle, you know, has been chomping at the bit to get him. But Joshua Manuel's playing so well that... He, you know, he hasn't been getting a game. I think he'll probably start with Jones and McLaughlin, to be quite honest with you, in the uh, in the centre-back pairing, and then Brandon Fleming as your left-back. And then, you know, yes, we've, we've, talk, we've talked a bit about the midfield already. I think Dan Batty should get a game. Martin Samuelson should probably get a game. And, you know, then you're looking maybe... He might put Doherty back in unless he's... I think he's injured at the moment, isn't he? That was what I was thinking. I was going to say Greg Doherty, but if you don't put Greg Doherty in, I suppose Regan Slater's the other one that would come in. Yeah, more than likely, yeah. And then on your front line, you're probably looking at Tom Eaves, uh, James Scott, and Thomas Meyer, something like that, to be quite honest with you, or, or maybe a Delican. But, I mean, I'd like to see Lewis Potter come back in, but he, doesn't, he didn't seem as though he was keen to put Lewis Potter back in when asked after the game on uh, on when, on Tuesday. Yeah, it's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, it's, uh, I would probably tempt, be tempted to play him because he hasn't played for two or three games, has he? So he, he's got to get back up to the right levels. Like, I mean, I'll be a fit lad, obviously. He's only young, but still not nothing like match fitness. So I'd, I would be tempted to play him, but... I don't see how wrong with the team you picked, even if they don't play him. You would expect them to have a fair bit there in, to be able to take care of a team who's lying near the bottom of Division 2. But uh, having said that, I'll probably be meant to eat my words. But, you know, we should we should be looking at getting through to the round three. You know, it could be a you know decent tie against one of the so-called big clubs, either top championship club or a premiership club. Well, to be fair, if you look if you look at the team, George Long was our number one last season. Yeah, Louis Coyle yeah. 
he was expected to come in and be the first choice right back anyway. Brandon Fleming, I play him at left back. You know, I'm I, listen. Callum Elder has had a bit of press off me, but I'm quite pleased with what Callum Elder's doing at the moment. I think he's playing a lot, lot better at the moment. So I'm pleased with him. But Brandon Fleming had getting my team, you know, in a week, no problem. Sean McLaughlin played for us last season. I don't think he let himself down last season. I think it was just the team was not, you know, with it last season. So he'd get in. And, uh, and Jonesy, he, he's playing well anyway, isn't he? So, you know, wh- yeah. wh- why that, that team there, it had been nearly a first choice team if you, if you was, you know, if you were short of players or something like that. Daniel Batty, he's going to be, you, he would have been your first choice. He's number eight, for God's sake. So he would have been a first choice. Samuel Sunken with all these glowing references and everything like that. And Regan Slate has come from Sheffield United. It's nearly a first choice team that we're putting out as a second choice team. No, yeah, we, as I say, the backup for all City is quite strong this season, and this is why I think you know we should be going for getting as far as we can in all the cup competitions that we're entering. Because, to be quite honest, it, it's you know I know they aren't getting any fans at the moment, but it's keeping the players involved. And when you've got, as you've said, maybe two first teams or not far off two first teams that you could put out, you've got to keep them interested. Yeah, you know, and that, that's that's what you want—a good team spirit. All the players thinking they're getting a fair chance or as as good a chance as they can get, so that everything goes smoothly and you end up getting promotion, having a decent run in the cups, and everything's rosy. And I think it, it is. I think if it just puts that team out, I would think there'd be enough in that team to take care of Stevenage. Yeah, I would and, say yeah. so. I would say so. Hopefully that'll be the case. Yeah, one thirty, one thirty kickoff tomorrow, uh, Sunday the 29th of November. It's live on the BBC Sport website and on the BBC iPlayer. So if you've still, if you're still paying your TV license, I am, then you will be able to watch it for free. And, uh, that'll save us a tenner, won't it? It will, yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. And it's, you know, hopefully it's a decent game like that's what we want, you know, but, uh, I think it'll be one of them games where we have a bit more possession than them, to be honest. But uh, saying that, as I say, I would, li- I'd like, I want us to get through, and I, I'm hopeful we will get through. Yeah, me you too. Know, I, have, but... I think we've got a good chance, and you know, hopefully we can get through, and uh, we'll be talking about a win on next week's Tiger Pop from one o'clock. Yeah, that's hopeful. Maybe hopeful. I think they have the draw on Monday, don't they? Usually, so we know our opponents are in the next round if we get through. Definitely so. Definitely so. Can I just mention the competition, Dad? Is that all right? Yeah, of course you can, yeah. So this week, I've got another prize. I've just had to uh, to reach out for it. A History of Football presented by Alan Green. It's uh, two DVD parts, and it's a Marks and Spencers one. It's still sealed in the cellophane, is this one. So that's what we're giving away this week. And we're going to give it away for guessing the time of the first goal in the game tomorrow afternoon against Stevenage. So you could win this lovely History of Football DVD uh, sealed in its cellophane, never been opened, brand spanking new, and all you've got to do is guess the time of the first goal in this game tomorrow with Stevenage at a 1.30 kickoff. 
Well, that's another excellent prize, isn't it? I mean, we're just giving it away, aren't we? Yeah. So we had a winner last week, didn't we? We did. We mentioned the winner uh, during Brian Horton's interview because he was good enough to uh, to send us a picture of the of the letter that he uh, <laughs> that he that he'd got off Brian Horton. It was Paul Harper who won the book last week, and he'd guessed the uh, correct time of the goal last week. So well done to Paul, and uh, I hope you've got your book now. I did send it a few days ago, so hopefully you've got the book and. Uh, and it's a good read, is the Dino. But, but another good prize again this week. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, so just get yourselves involved. Time of the first goal in tomorrow's game against Stevenage. One thirty kickoff, as we've said, live on BBC iPlayer. So get yourselves involved. I think we'll be also, previewing the Donny game next, won't we? Yeah, well, we've got to, haven't we? We've got to preview them. And their nickname is Donny. So we thought, what about Donny Osmond and Puppy Love? Ah, 
And that's Donny Osmond and Puppy Love. And we're playing that one because we're playing Doncaster Rovers. And we're fondly known as Donny to their supporters. So we thought we'd play that one. You're with me, Eddie right on Westall FM, Tiger Pop. And you've also got... Paul Wright on Tiger Pop. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Doncaster. And I think it's going to be a really, really difficult game. Looking at their record, they've drawn with Sunderland. They beat Charlton 3-1. They beat Bristol Rovers 4-1. They beat Ipswich 4-1. They beat Portsmouth 1-0. And they beat Lincoln 1-0. And they've only won six games. There's five wins there against teams that they're all saying they could be near the top of the table at the end of the season. So I think it's going to be a really difficult game against Doncaster. Plus the fact, obviously, Grant McCann's last managing job was it at Doncaster. So there'll be a bit of that. I mean, they've played... 12 games, won six, drawn three, lost three. Scored 22 goals and had 14 against. I think it's going to be a really difficult game, this one. You know, obviously I want us to win, but I think it's going to be a tough one. They've got a good record against the teams, so-called top teams. And obviously, I suppose we'd be classed as just one of the top teams. Yeah, they'll be gunning, they'll be gunning for us a bit, won't they? Because as you say, Grant McCann was their manager. He left them to come to us. We're now in the same league as um, you know, they'll want to put one over on us, won't they? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think it is going to be a really you know tough game. Uh, they seem to play well. You know, they've got the handle having possession. I think, or the handle being out of possession. I think you know they're one of these teams who don't mind which they have. And I think we prefer not to have a lot of possession, which. Might play into our to our hands a little bit if they do have the possession. I think they do like to pass it around a bit, but I think it's going to be a tough game. It's like a local derby, isn't it? What is it? Yeah. Forty minutes to Doncaster from here, isn't it? So yeah. it's like a local derby, as you say, with Grant McCann being their last man. Well, that, the next manager of theirs will want to put it over on us. We're top of the league. We'll still be top after after Saturday's matches. So. You know, it's it's going to be a tougher, I think. I mean, I'm saying we can't do it. Uh, no, they've also got a game in hand on us, haven't they? They've only played 12, we've played 13, so if they had to play the next one, then they could be on 25 points, which would put them, you know, around the 4th or the 5th region, because uh, that's uh, that's what Portsmouth and Ipswich are both on, is 25 points. So Sorry, that would give them 24 points. No, there'd be one below them, so that'd be 24 points. So they would be in 6th position if they'd have won that uh, game in hand they've got. Yeah, well, they, I think they are going to be up there this year, Doncaster. I don't think they were far off when Grant McCann was there, was they? No, no. I think it was very close they got to the, the playoffs, playoffs, didn't they? They did, they did do the playoffs, <laughs> didn't they? And they oh, lost, right. in, lost in the playoffs when Grant McCann was there. Yeah, so I think, you know, I don't think they've gone down since he left, particularly. Uh, I certainly think they're going to be, you know, top ten at worst. And I think I think they're going to be well pushing for the top six. So I think it is going to be one of them games where if we can come out of that unscathed, I think we can look at it as a good result because I think there'll be a team that's going to take points off teams all season because they're playing well. Uh, they've got Whiteman up front who scores a few goals, I think, and Ockham Brinky or somebody like that, he scores. He scored one or two. In fact, he got the late equaliser against Sunderland when they drew 1-1. So they're going to be a hard team to beat. I just hope we can come out of it unscathed. I think, obviously, the team will be similar to what played against Ipswich and MK Dons. 
You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit unsure about this Reese Burke thing because he's having this nose up. He had to isolate a couple of days before or three days before, have a COVID test, and then have the ops. I would presume he's probably had the op today. Uh, no, no, we can't have it. probably yesterday, Friday, I would have thought then. He, he, he's, so, he's got today, he's got tomorrow, he's got another couple of days. I don't see that he's going to recover from this nose up in four or five days' time to play against Doncaster. Maybe not, maybe not. Let's hope uh, we can, we've got Alfie Jones and we've got McLaughlin who can obviously step in. I suppose Davis even could step in. But he does seem a little bit out of it at the moment. So so, so Davis yeah. hasn't even made the bench on the cup no. games? Not even on no, the cup what, games? So where is he? That's what I say. I don't, I don't think, I think it'll be either McLaughlin or Alfie Jones will probably step in. To be honest, I'd be surprised if Davis is put in, even though he's, he's played alongside Beck a few times. Uh, sorry, in the centre half, the position a few times. I think it'll be one of the other two who step in personally. So it'll probably be the similar team to which, which we maybe a change at, you know, central defence if that's if that's the case with Beck and he's not quite fit enough. Yeah, I've got to agree. I mean, I'd, I'd maybe start with Scott instead of Adelican because I think Adelican's a bit too. A bit too, uh, too, I don't know, it's just, it, it frustrates me a bit, to be honest, with his gameplay. It does me, but it seems to be the choice, doesn't he? Still, yeah, I would, yeah. I would have thought Scott would have got in, you know, he's, he seems more of a danger than Scott to yeah, Delican. Yeah, I agree. You know, but obviously, all managers have the favourites, so maybe the, he thinks he plays in the position better than Scott does it for the first half or for 60 minutes or what have you, but... I must admit, I think I'd put Scott in. Yeah, seems a bit more of a threat. He's pretty good in the air. He doesn't mind taking people on, and I, I think he gives the fullback a little bit more cover. I think it's he does. That, I think that's he does. The way obviously Grant sees it, and you know, we're top of the league, so I suppose you can't really argue with the manager at the moment. It'd be a bit unfair when he, you know, the. Definitely can't argue with the manager. Yeah. He's doing a good job at the moment. Anyway, on this game, the winner takes it all, don't they? I think so, yeah. They'll take the prize, sure, won't they? So uh, let's play you this one. It's ABBA, and the winner takes it all.
Sabba and the winner takes it all here on Westall FM's Tiger Pop with me, Eddie Wright. And me, Paul Wright. And as usual, we're going to do all our yesterdays. I'm afraid this week's not as brilliant as other weeks because we've never played Stevenage in a competitive match. So there's nothing I can say about a previous game about Stevenage. But Doncaster, we have played them, well, as recent as 2017 in the League Cup. When they had a, they beat us two nil. The last time we played them in the league was in 2012, and it was a nil nil draw. The time before that was 2011. It was all in the championships. So obviously, it was the 2011-2012 season, and we had a one one draw. And I always ask Adrian who he thinks scored a goal. 
Who do you think scored this goal in the 1-1 draw in 2011? David Marler. No. I, I can't remember him scoring many goals for us, this kid. He does score a lot of goals. Martin Waghorn. Oh, God, yeah, we I had him for a bit, didn't we? Yeah, I believe he's at Derby now. And he seems to be, you know, one of their main strikers. was one of their main strikers. I think he always struggled to get in our team a little bit, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, he was the last one to score. He was in the championship in 2011. So, again, we haven't got a particularly good place against Doncaster. The last, you know, drawn two and lost one of the last three games. Yeah, I went to the uh, League Cup game that was, was it 2017, did you say, the League Cup yeah. game? Yeah, yeah, I went to that one and we did play an under-23 side and I thought the under-23 side played quite well against them, to be honest, and, you know, they yeah, definitely we... weren't embarrassed. No, no. Well, I, th- I, th- I, seem to, I did look at the team and it wasn't a team of players that would uh, naturally be in the first team, let's put it that way. No. So that was, that's all our yesterdays. So, what should we mention now? Our competition. Yeah, our competition. So, this week it's to guess the time of the first goal in tomorrow's FA Cup tie with Stevenage, a one thirty kickoff, and you can win a football. Oh, well done. It's a football history of football presented by Alan Green. It's on two DVDs. It's in the cellophane. It's a Marks and Spencer's special, this one. And it looks like it's got some good clips on there. Uh, Football in the 70s, the 80s and the 90s here. Uh, So good for nostalgia, I would say that. And uh, that's what you can win on this week's competition. Another good prize by the sounds of things. Yeah, and the last thing we're going to mention... The last thing we'll mention is Brian Oakman's book, 2000 Games, A Life in Football. I think it'd be a good Christmas present. So if there are any women thinking, what can I get my husband? I think it'd be a good present to get him. It's a good read, and it's by an ex-Hull City player and manager and a player manager. So there'll be a lot about Hull City in there, I'm sure. So get yourself a Christmas present there. Brian Houghton's book for Christmas. Why not? And this has been Tiger Pop, and we're really pleased that Brian Houghton came on. Thanks very much for giving us your time, Brian. I've been Eddie right? And I've been Paul and thank you, Brian. And we'll see you next next Saturday from 1 o'clock. We will, definitely.